Hello and welcome back to the How The Fuck podcast. We have got an excellent episode today. I really enjoyed editing this one. Um, I won't do a big introduction because we do one live, but this week's guest is Josh Spilker, Head of Marketing at Tetra. And in this week's episode, we talk about all of the stuff that this podcast was made for. So we start off with AI and SEO, how Josh sees the world changing and how he's using AI to streamline his processes right now. We actually recorded this back in April. Um, but it's all the advice is so relevant today. And Josh has been a user of this technology for just like way before the rest of us. And we, so we also talked about the case studies of ClickUp and Friday, where he was the first and only content marketer for a while, taking both to over a hundred thousand in traffic. And we got to know the inside secrets of his middle of funnel optimization strategy, which is so relevant to everyone who wants to actually drive results with SEO. And we learn what to avoid, what to double down on. And in the end of the episode, we focus on my favorite topic, which is scaling quality content. As a one-man band, Josh had scaled content for multiple companies. So I got to ask him his top tips for increasing quantity and quality and working with writers to achieve quality and velocity at the same time. So I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did, guys, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Basically, I'm going to give people a quick rundown of who you are and what you've done, at least what I know you from. So first of all, like lead content strategist at ClickUp. If people haven't seen, they've got a crazy amount of growth right now, a crazy amount of traffic right now, at least. And you were there from the beginning, kind of set that content strategy. I think you can claim that. And also then head of marketing at Friday, now head of marketing at Tetra and a few other things along the way, including being your own content marketing consultant. So new traditions for the How The Fuck podcast. I've decided to kick off the episode with a get to know you round of quick fire questions. These are easy and these are not related to content marketing. So here you go. Okay. So I've got like eight questions. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? No. Okay. Ketchup or mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. Coffee or tea? Coffee, always, all mm-hmm. the time. Me too. Okay. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Mm-hmm. Wine or beer? Usually beer, yeah. Yeah. Beach or countryside? Oh, beach all the time. I'm from Florida. I was in Belize earlier or last fall, so I'm always trying to get to the beach. Yeah, me too. I'm, I was born in the countryside, but I'm a beach baby at heart. Twitter or LinkedIn? I've done better on LinkedIn, even though I'm not very good at social media. So I go with LinkedIn. <laughs> I see more on LinkedIn, but I don't like Twitter. So final one, a day in with a book or a day out doing adrenaline junkie sports? Oh, I'm like a writer and reader. So probably reading, but I don't know. I do medium extreme sports. I do like some longboarding and paddleboarding and stuff like that, mm. but probably more reading. Okay. Maybe read on a beach and then do some paddle sports at the same time. Yeah, there we go. Perfect day. Okay, that's the end of that. You'll be relieved. But something more serious that I hope we'll also touch on a little bit later is, and I want to make sure I keep asking every guest about this because I think like our world is changing a lot, is the question of AI in SEO, AI in content, as AI in SEO. So I just want to have a quick discussion about that. First of all, are you worried about the future of SEO and how AI is going to change it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what we're learning is there's actually some different applications on AI. So like ChatGPT to find answers that way is a really different use case than using it to write an article or to write content. Mm -hmm. And so I think that distinction 
is like really important and gets lost a little bit. So yeah, I see it will change. I see it changing more from the search side of things rather than the content production. So yeah. I'm going to start thinking of chat GPT as another search engine of sorts. And you're still going to have to like feed it at some point. It's always going to need like some new information. So that's how I approach it or how I'm thinking about it. And yeah, we're going to need some more channels for sure. And probably Google's not going to go anywhere. Like my parents probably have not tried chat GPT, right? But they know what Google is. And so just that learning and adoption curve is still going to take a while. So overall, I think it'll be healthy to lower Google's dominance and just give us some other tools and channels to play with. And it's just interesting, like literally this morning, I found a keyword. I just published an article last week for, it was number one on Bing for my top head term, but it's like number 25 on Google, right? And, mm -hmm. and can't even like find it. And I noticed that because I got some traffic from Bing to this particular keyword, but I hadn't gotten any from Google yet. I think if that evens out and maybe that plays out across and we have higher volume on being and higher volume on Google and higher volume on ChatGPT or whatever, or YouTube for that matter, then I think that'll actually add like more variety and content perspectives to search results. On the other side of things, I actually started using OpenAI probably almost two years ago at Friday to build some of our briefs and some of our content. My founder worked in a different stage. He doesn't really mind me sharing this now, but it was a little scary to use it. And so I was using it people have settled on to create a draft, create some like filler information. I would send that to a writer and ask them to edit it and to research and added notes along the side. And, you know, their controls were a little more wonky even two years ago on the outputs and such. So I've been using it in some form or fashion for almost two years now. Wow. That's ahead of the curve <laughs> for sure. I didn't even yeah. know. Yeah. We were able to come out with, I mean, I was a small shop. I still am like a one person team running like four or five freelance writers. But yeah, I mean, we were able to use it and got some results from it and helped us do it pretty quickly to get to that. And we'll talk about this, but yeah, one of my things was like trying to get 50 posts in one quarter. So that really helped with that, but it really wasn't that different than using phrase, which is another tool I love to like build briefs. And I never once at Friday ever just went straight from open AI to the website. That just never happened. Straight publishing in that way. I've tried to be thoughtful about it since I first had access to it a year and a half or so. I love that you are like a one person kind of content leader or marketing leader with a group of freelancers. I feel like you can do so much with that setup. You don't need to hire so much in-house and you can really do a lot with that. It kind of aligns with what I'm thinking about definitely around thought being thoughtful with it, maybe to use either a good first draft or like a minimum viable piece of content or create briefs or to help you fill out some briefs and get it edited. But yeah, definitely being more thoughtful with how you use chat GPT rather than just copy and paste on the internet. And I suppose like bad content doesn't get ranked by Google now very often. Yeah. yeah not even 10 years ago, content spinners were a thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure actually. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, they were called content spinners. And essentially they would like, it was like a bad version of AI, but it would be the best SEO podcast show is Ben's. And then it would rearrange it to be like, Ben has the best SEO podcast show. Ben has the best audio recording show. And they would use all these weird synonyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To replace it. And it read so terribly. And so that was a thing that, and then people would publish that. So you'd find a piece of content that you wanted to copy. You'd run it through these spinners 
And then people would be like republishing that. And it came off very similarly to the way that AI content is coming off now. So this has been a problem for a little while. And then people try it and then they realize it like doesn't work. And then they end up having to do the hard work again. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean now. I think probably me at university was trying to not write my own stuff and tried to just re-synonymize it. But I have to say, yeah, yeah. either one now, I think GPT-4 is pretty good and it writes like a solid, informative article. Like you need to fact check it because it makes stuff up sometimes. But I still think it's probably knocked off like 50% of writers to be better than them. Mm. I know that's because there's no barrier to calling yourself a writer. All I can think is, okay, GPT-4 might not be perfect, but what about GPT-10? in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, it could be just incredible. Then what do we do? And also apart from use it, like how do we differentiate and that kind of stuff? That's when I'd be worried yeah. more about it, I suppose. Are you familiar with Every? It's like a kind of a publication, Every.2. Yeah, I've come across um, It's a good, I'm, I like subscribe to it and they've been writing a lot about AI and content in particular. And one of their guys, Evan Armstrong, I think was talking about journalism in particular and how the quality or just the means of production will expand so you could do a lot more things. And one of my comments was, is like that could actually be empowering. And I'm talking more about journalism now, because if you got to a situation where you're just inputting information, that could actually be valuable in some cases. If you think about your municipality meetings and city council meetings and that sort of thing where if you just had to like get the facts, put it in, create an article, you could actually leverage more of these type of things. It'll be fascinating how it works for marketing because it could lower the headcount. It could expand the marketing generalist like even farther to be able to do several tasks instead of just one or a few. So in that way, I'm excited about it. And so it's always important to add more skills for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. There's like loads and loads of benefits for it. I just think people need to be very adaptive and flexible, I guess, about what they see coming and also just be prepared to upskill and like stay ahead in your career, yeah. really get into strategy and stay above. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Okay, awesome. This is not an AI podcast, but I think it is important to have a look at those things. So let's move on to the kind of case study of the day. We have got a really interesting topic here, which I think probably what like 99% of websites and companies really struggle to even do, which is to get their website from zero to that first 100,000 in traffic. Actually, in a lot of niches, that's a really difficult thing to do, especially if with a lean team or that kind of thing. There's a lot that goes into it. Could you tell maybe just a bit of brief background around, I guess, both ClickUp and Friday, your journey with those two and that first portion of the journey, which is the first hurdle in scaling up traffic? Yeah, sure. I was an early content marketer at ClickUp. We had maybe 15 people on the team total. And I was kind of the only marketer there for my time there. It was like about a year and a half. And I previously worked at another company called WorkZone, which was also project management and learned a lot of the skills and things there. I actually got laid off, but had a lot of experience on publishing. So then I pitched to ClickUp and they brought me in and wanted me to do the same, which is just crazy because ClickUp is obviously worth a lot more than the previous company I worked for. So at ClickUp, I did basic keyword research and then I stumbled on to what I've honed since then is just like middle funnel optimization and really focusing on middle funnel search content. And the way we did that at, at ClickUp and then Friday as well is I really focused on these list posts, best tools, best project management, that type of thing. And I actually got ClickUp to number one. They still may be there. It varies, of course. 
to free project management software, which is a very competitive keyword. And what I did was just create a cluster around that and then send a lot of internal links and whatever backlinks we could get to that word. But it was just like a list post. And so then I started doing those list posts along with more awareness type content, but it took me a while to realize how well the list posts were working. And so that was one of the ones that I found out pretty quickly did work. And then we started doing some more like alternative type. So yeah, I really like the middle funnel because on a freemium product like ClickUp and Friday was also a freemium product. You're just really trying to get people to try it out as a conversion point and then letting product-led growth and product take over from there. And so those type of posts work really well for the most part in that. And so I've just been able to hone the system over the past few years to really focus on that. And it's still part of my arsenal. That's one of the first things I look at, but I can move a lot faster and then I can add on to some other things too. Cool. And it's a similar model that, that you followed up Friday app as well. Exactly. At Friday, I had a little bit more help. At ClickUp, I was writing everything myself. I wrote two posts a week, published those. We had a designer, but I was formatting them in WordPress and all of that, doing all the internal linking, doing some of the social as well at that time. So it was really pedal to the metal, as you can probably tell just from like their growth trajectory. Mm. Which is part of the reason I left because it was really intense environment from that perspective. But I didn't really ask for help either. That was kind of on me. So looking back, it probably did need more resources, but I was just grinding it out for sure. I've been able to add some freelancers and stuff since then. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, actually, I've really been there where I'm the solo marketer who doesn't really know I could ask for help. And actually, I could scale it. Like, I think having the confidence in that this is going to work and let's do this faster with freelancers and get money for this. And it's actually something that comes after a couple of jobs for me, at least doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm probably not that person to really ask for that anyway. That's something I have to work on and have worked on. This is crazy, but ClickUp was like bootstrapped and I didn't know how much money we had or didn't have. I was working remote and they had an office. And so I was out of the loop on some of those things and should have just been more forthright in asking like, do we have some more resources for this? I really did not know mm -hmm. the state of the company and just what we did have or didn't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always important to know. I think that's something that SEOs can probably learn in general, maybe content in general, to figure out the wider picture of growth and also demand help, like back demand budget and support for what you're doing. That's really tough. Okay, so like list posts, middle of funnel, clustering of content, that's the system that you figured out is like really effective for a freemium type product. Yeah, I tell everyone to focus on the middle first, then go to the bottom, and then go to more top and awareness content. And because of that, I like to think of the funnel as problem aware, solution aware, and then product aware. So in a tool like ClickUp, there's already a lot of demand for project management and people are already searching for that. And so there is a lot of the solution aware, meaning like project management software, task management tools, like that sort of thing. And so there's already a lot of natural volume for that. So then you're just capturing that demand. So middle volume or middle funnel works really well at capturing demand. It doesn't work as well, which I found out it's in my other stops at generating the demand. So you do need to use some other channels and stuff for yeah. that. I think it's a really good lesson. SEO can be very, very good at capturing demand. Like if there's a group of people searching for stuff that you do, those should be almost your first point of call because they're just quickly grabbing all those people who are in market right now. They don't even have to know who you are, but you just funneling that need and demand into you. <laughs> 
So how did you find, I guess the keyword patterns are like X software or like X software for this, best tools for this. Is ClickUp one of those things that has tons of use cases? So you could say best analytics tool for this and then best, you know, you can tap into lots of those different kind of categories. Yeah, at the time we didn't have all of those features that I was there. So it really was more just straight up task management, project management. I think they finally, they added some like Kanban type functionality. So really at that stage, it was more of like Trello alternatives. Asana was a huge target, I would say like competitive target. So it was focusing on those type of things. We're also competing very heavily against Monday, but then at that time you're competing against Microsoft Project, which is really old school project management software that you can then introduce on there. There's like a ton of those tools. So it was very easy to write alternatives to this and that. But I honestly didn't focus on it as much as I probably should have because I was also writing more like we were number one for a long time. I think my neighbor actually mentioned it to me. She was like searching for something about professional goals and ClickUp was number one at least two years ago. And she was like, I searched for professional goals and I saw you wrote this piece at ClickUp. I was like, yeah, that was one of our top performing pieces for that. I was doing some other content as well, trying to get some words that we fit for. But mm -hmm. some of it was just throwing stuff against the wall until I realized like these middle funnel type things worked. Were there any value to those pieces, those really top of funnels pieces? Were you trying to capture value from them or did you see any value from them? Yeah, I didn't know how to weaponize them at the time. The value is in the internal linking to your other pieces. I mean, if we're talking from a straight SEO perspective. So if you get a lot of eyeballs on that, then you can send it down Actually, I learned this at ClickUp is I would always introduce the product into those pieces. So like the old HubSpot in, inbound marketing was like, don't talk about the product, like in an awareness type piece. But I would, and I still talk about this to, to this day is professional goals, for example. I'm pretty sure there was probably a paragraph at the end that said, here's how ClickUp helps with your professional goals. Yeah. So there's always some type of link back to the product. So there is value in at least planting that seed there. And then the other thing that you can do that I haven't been on teams to quite do it is you can retarget the people from those higher mm -hmm. awareness posts, right? And use the advertising to connect with them in that way. So that is another play that you can do. That is a lot of value in some of those awareness posts. Yeah, that's really true. At a company I worked for, we did that. We had this one article doing like 90% of the traffic. We're like, what do we do with this? And it was like exactly that. We stuck an ebook in it, but that's the HubSpot model. But then we retargeted all that traffic. And if your content is aligned, your product value and your audience, you're likely got the right visitors there. You just need to bring them back either into your newsletter or with the retargeting. I think that's a really good point. I think internal linking too, that's massive. Not only do those like top of funnel pieces, probably they get more eyeballs and they probably get more backlinks, which you can then pass on the juice. But yeah, I think Tyler Higgs from Optimist, I forget what he called this. I think he called it pre-awareness post. Mm. But I think of them as a billboard. So I've done some funny posts about memes and stuff like that. I was number one for like workplace memes and things like that. And some of that's just kind of like funny to see if you can do it. Yeah. But it's also like a billboard highway or the interstate. It's not targeted at all. It's just like a bunch of people going by it. And so it is kind of this general awareness type thing that then maybe they click on your CTA on the side yeah. and then you start it down. So for me, it's just a big thing is setting the right expectations for each post. And so if you're expecting conversions from awareness, high funnel or top of funnel pieces, then you have the wrong expectations, which is not going to happen.
middle funnel, I don't expect as much traffic, but I expect more conversions, right? And that's why I really like middle funnel posts is generally, especially in these productivity type tools that I've been in, you can hit a sweet spot of traffic and conversions. So I've had posts click up in Friday. We had 10% of people up to almost 10%, I think in some cases converting. And by converting, I mean, just signing up for free to the product, which doesn't usually happen for a lot of other posts to be hitting that high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. Of course, you can't expect Top of Funnel to be driving demo requests, but you can expect it to drive something else more related that you can one day push down. In a lot of the companies I've worked for, they've been really niche B2B software that not many people are in the middle of the funnel either, which is really frustrating. Like imagine project management software, you have 300,000 people a month searching for it. That's a really nice middle of funnel. But yeah. It doesn't work everywhere. For sure. Yeah, but it still works. And if you're a small company, especially, I'd say the things that I'd seen working, like the listicles, like somewhat around the middle of funnel for these low volume stuff, but the best stuff would just be straight up like X software, not softwares, but the more bottom of funnel. That's what I've seen. The other pushback that I get is, yeah, I don't want to do list or whatever. And so another way to think about the middle funnel is just like how to do something, which is really solid process oriented. So if you're trying to solve a problem, if you're trying to solve the job to be done, that also falls into middle funnel for me, because then they're searching for how to solve a problem. They're aware of it already. So awareness is top funnel. They want to solve it. They just don't know about your product yet. So then that how-to type content really hits at the middle funnel as well. And I've had mixed results, but I know some companies have done really well with templates and they haven't always worked out for me, but that those type of things or those cheat sheet type things are other good middle funnel pieces to utilize if you don't want to do the alternative or, or list type tools. Yeah, definitely. We've heard a lot about templates on this podcast in the type form, did it? Like with their survey maker, of course, you can type in like quiz, how to make a quiz and then, or how to make a survey or anything like that. And you can instantly sign up to their platform and start using it. So that's even using your product. Yeah, those things work really well. Yeah, like getting the product into the template, like monday.com said they were also experimenting with this now, like using their board as let's say like a template for project management template straight away it's what they've set up the board already so you can just start using it for example a lot of people come and talk about the kind of jobs to be done and how-to content i'm a big believer in that as well okay you mentioned before about how you got click up like to number one for that free project management software piece and something mm-hmm. you mentioned was about building a cluster around that like a cluster of articles and then you said you got backlinks to it my question was was that like a topical authority play like kind of thing Yeah, some of it was unintentional. Some of it was intentional. What I've realized in the time set is it's really helpful to write about one topic several times and then move on to your next topic. And so usually I suggest 10 posts on one topic, then move to the next, then move to the next and then like circle back. So if you have four to five jobs to be done, if you do 10 on each, that's 40 to 50 posts. And then you go back and start working on some more. I'm following that now, honestly. I'm not sticking to it quite as closely at Tetra because they have a lot of older content. But if you're brand new or you have very low traffic and a thousand type visitors a month, I would really recommend just focusing on one of your features, one of your jobs to be done, and then going to the next. Nice. ClickUp was a little different because I wasn't that thoughtful, but I would say we were writing a lot about project management. And so then I started just connecting the dots and had like a circle type interlinking play to where one would link to the other, but they would all link to our homepage or our money page. 
so to speak. And then the cluster kind of found its way like that. Nice. And what about backlink building? Is that something that you want to do or have done? I don't believe in backlinks as much as probably some other people do. Uh, I really am more like on the content velocity side. I've been fortunate to always land in a place where people have 50 or 60 domain authority and Ahrefs. But one of the things that works is like I would, I don't really do guest posts. I didn't do guest posts at ClickUp. I would just request link to be added. And then I would try to work out an ABC link circle to help others do that. Yeah. But I was kind of more of a believer in like natural link building. Like if you're gaining some momentum and interest, people will start picking you up because you start appearing at the top of searches for free project management software or productivity mm -hmm. tools or whatever it is. Now I'm in the knowledge management space. The topic isn't as popular search volume wise. So I am looking at link building to boost that. But once you're very established and have even an organic presence, people start linking to you naturally. But yeah, that's my perspective on it. Nice. People vary a lot on that. And I you see people very specifically will say, we want to build five links to this until we've got it to position four or whatever. But yeah, other people have big PR teams who do it for them. It's like such a, a mix of kind of strategies going on. But actually, like I think something that I've seen before that I think you just touched on is I wrote an article for a company a couple of years ago that was top voice of customer softwares. And no one else had really written that article. And then everyone else realized that we'd written it and wrote it as well. But just because we were top for that, we were included in everyone else's listicle for top tools. And I think that's something that is kind of an unwritten benefit of being a middle of funnel article is that you get all the time from listicles about that topic as well. I guess you've seen that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, I know we're coming to the end of our time. So I wanted to just move on to one topic that I really want to talk about, which was working with writers. I know that's important to velocity and publishing a lot. And as a writer yourself, I'm someone who works with a lot of freelancers. I'd love to know like your top three tips for making them write quality, quantity, and fast. Yeah, I do really detailed briefs. My tool of preference is phrase. I just stumbled onto it, I don't know, a couple of years ago, started using it at Friday. And it's really great because I'm sure some other tools do something similar, but you can see all the SERPs and their headers and even some of the paragraphs of it. So then you can copy the header or at least be inspired from the header yeah. and rewrite it on your own in the briefs. So I always say, here are the points to cover very closely. And then Phrase also does a top 20 keyword topics. And then they do even more focused keywords to include, which are probably like 50 to 60. I never tell my writers, I give my writers the top 20. I don't give them the top 60 words because I still want them to use their own natural ability and some of the research that they find. So that's how I set it up. It takes me probably like 45 minutes to an hour to write a brief. And sometimes I'll find my own stats to tell them to include. I'll also include like internal linking that I want them to include. And then some outside research if applicable. And so I'll send that to them. As I get better on some of these tool lists and a couple of writers I've written or have written for me before, I don't have to be as specific. So my briefs aren't quite as long. And so I try to take away as much editing from the start and give it to them. And the detailed briefs really help with that. And then the other thing, the last agency I worked with at Range, they thought this was really funny, but I don't really let writers write about the product unless they're in-house. I was about to ask you, how do you get across the product value to writers? I, especially in these list posts, it takes away from the word count and they don't know the product as well. So I might as well just call it a topper. I think that's like an industry term of sorts where I'll go in and top it off as an editor 
mm. with my own content and perspective, but I hardly ever have the writers write about the product unless it's like a very detailed comparison type thing because they just don't know the product as well. And I also have some templates that I use or just some copy I banked that I then add in and modify into these different posts. So I don't have to like have a huge onboarding process with writers about the product because I just want them to find what they find and then we'll go from there and add feedback. They don't need to know the product as well. I don't think it's bad for agencies to talk to experts about what's happening but they don't need to know all the product specificities. They need to know like the problems and the pains that it solves. But I would rather spend my time in-house making sure that's correct because it'll just change a lot. There'll be different updates and stuff that the writers won't know. So how am I supposed to think that they'll keep up with the feature release schedule? It just doesn't make any sense. So that's where I spend a lot of my time in the editing process is actually talking about the product. Mm -hmm. Let's say you had a group of similar articles in that middle of funnel, like best project management software for construction, and then also for automotive, for example, let's say you have those two separate articles, would you ever reuse the description of your product, just like copy paste, for example, or even you have two products that are in both listicles? Yeah, I've done that. I think duplicative content in that way is a little, it's thought about too much. I was reading something about how Google's looking for exact duplicative content. They're not looking for similar phrasing on it. And that's actually to bring it all the way back around where AI tools can be really helpful as it's like rewrite this paragraph I've already done. It also depends on the competition that I'm facing. So if there's a lot more competition on a certain word, I probably won't reuse something as much. But if I'm trying to do, I mean, I've actually tried to think of ways to productize this than my CMS that's how like G2 is built, right? Like, yeah. Or like trust radius is they have blocks for one content and then they just put it into the different sections. I'm not that technical or smart or have the time or the end resources to do that. So I'm doing the copy and paste version of that. If I have an article with 10 tools, another article with 10 tools, I probably won't use the same 10, but I'll pull six from here, six from here. And now I have my list of 12, for example. Nice. Um, so I am like remixing that and trying to reuse as much as possible. It doesn't always work, but I definitely do that. Nice. You're made for this community. We've got velocity and some kind of programmatic reusing of content. Like, yeah, perfect. We hear a lot about that kind of stuff. What I wanted to know was final questions around basically the secret source of the way you do this, your strategy. And I'm sure you've already mentioned those bits, but what is the secret source behind all of it? Yeah, the secret sauce is the velocity is publishing as much as you can, as fast as you can. Google doesn't care when you publish is what I always say. If your main channel is SEO, then it doesn't matter. So I've published several times, five pieces on a Friday afternoon because they're just ready. And so I know that those pieces are meant for search. And so I'll publish them like whenever. I've already published, what did I publish? Like 10 posts my first month at Tetra, hopefully increased. I mean, that's only, I'm on a one person team, work starting to get my freelancers up. I mean, that's not a lot. It's like two to three a week, but for the very first 40 days, it's not bad. So I'm trying to always get that number up and I've always worked on small teams. And so publishing like three to four times or three to four posts a week is always my goal. And then larger teams should be able to beat that a hundredfold, right? So I think that's part of my frustration is that a lot of teams don't want to prioritize that when the results speak for themselves. And of course, SEO takes a while to pay off. So the faster you get it out, the quicker your feedback loop will come. And I think it makes Google take you seriously as somebody who's publishing content. And then they'll start to favor that and look to you for new stuff because you're building that rhythm in. 
You don't have to be a CNN or something who probably publishes what, like a thousand posts a day. That's a whole different other ballgame. But for B2B stuff, increasing that velocity, I think really helps. Nice. Perfect. That's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much. It's been a really great episode. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot.